you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. In Isaiah chapter 43, God is speaking to the Jewish people. He he is reminding them of the things that he had done and the things that he was going to do. In essence, it was a reminder that I've done it before, and and, and don't worry, I'm going to do it again. And and so he's reminding them this, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Verse 2 is revelatory. It is an Old Testament prophecy of the New Testament coming of Jesus. In essence, it is the Lord reaching into the future and speaking into the past. Because it was on the cross that he paid the ransom of Egypt. Not just speaking of the place, but speaking of the principle that he paid the ransom for your past, the ransom for your bondage, the ransom for your sickness, your sin, your hurt, your bondage, your depression. He paid the ransom. And so here it is speaking so much more of the story of the children of Israel because I find it no coincidence that first it says, God calls himself thy savior, and then directly after he refers to thy ransom. He is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, as the book of Revelation says. Therefore, he's reaching into the future. He's speaking into the past of his own coming, where he would pay the ransom on the cross. Verse 13 says, Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? I preached that topic before. Before the day was, he is. Before the sickness was, he already is. Before the disease was, and the doctor doctor report was, and before the bank account was empty, he already is. I preached that. This is probably one of the most preachable Passages of of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 43. But I'm not going to preach from that today. It goes on to say, verse 14, Thus saith the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose, whose cry is in the ships. For I am the Lord your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord which maketh the way in the sea, 
in the path in the mighty waters, in other words, a way when there seems no way, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinct, they are quenched as tow. And then finally it says, verse 18, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and, the, and rivers in the desert. Today, I'd like to preach a simple topic. Better is yet to come. As I was looking through some of my notes, I came upon a question that someone had asked me during our deeper series. And it was a question that I don't believe I ever answered. And today I'm going to attempt to answer that question. The question simply read, what is yet to come? And I've come to remind somebody that better is yet to come. You see, we are living in the next pages of Pentecost. We are the unwritten chapter, the continuation of God's promises. We are Acts 29, if you will. Some of you Bible scholars are probably thinking it only goes to Acts 28, but I said that for a reason, because we are the continuation of the church. We are not a church we are a continuation of the church. We are Acts 29. We are the continuation of what God is seeking to do. We've been given the tools. We have been given the word. We've been given the biblical patterns and principles. And we've been given the spirit of the Lord. The book of Acts records the initial mass outpouring of God's spirit. But being Acts 22:39, we are granted a responsibility, or, or rather being Acts chapter 29. We are granted a responsibility to continue the pattern that was laid before us. Acts chapter 2:39 says, "For the promises unto you and to your children and to all." That are far off. It does not say to a few. It does not say to a select. It does not. It says to all that are a far off. The same outpouring of God's spirit. And the same evidence that is recorded in the book of Acts. Is the same outpouring of God's spirit. And the same evidence that is promised to you and I today. We can experience the same power, the same miracles, the same life changing. Do you believe that today? Did you know that God's promise is a promise that is beyond belief? It'll blow your mind. It will shake your world and change your life. I say it's beyond belief because Acts chapter 19 verse 2 records it says, He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed. It is a promise that is beyond belief. It'll blow your mind. Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believe? And they said unto him, we have not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto then what were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, 
John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on, G- on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, hold up. They were The first time they were baptized in belief, but this time they were baptized in the name. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. It was the initial evidence of a heavenly life-changing experience. That same evidence is a promise today. There was no point that that evidence ever ceased. There was no point. It is beyond belief. What the Lord has for you is beyond believing. There is an evidence that comes with it. The promise of God's spirit is for everyone. In Acts, God was just getting started. Church, may I remind you that the Lord is just getting started. That God's plan for the city of Lebanon is just getting started. That the outpouring that God has for this city, it's just getting started. That the miracle God has for your family is just getting started. That the blessings he's pouring out on your life are just getting started. You may feel beaten down, confused, and bloodied by the enemy. But can I remind somebody that in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your calamity, God is just getting started. He's just showing up on the scene. He's just performing the first miracle. He is just getting started. I am not satisfied with what I've already seen. I'm not comfortable with merely the stories of our elders that have gone before us. I'm not comfortable with it. I've grown up hearing great stories. There came a time in my childhood that my father said to my mother, he said, I, I know we can tell them about the stories that our parents experienced. I know we can tell them about the miracles that perhaps we experienced, but we want our children to experience the same things that they experienced and the same things that we experienced. I, I believe I got that in my spirit at a young age from my parents, that, that, that we were raised not to be satisfied with merely the experience of another. We were not merely satisfied by the stories of old, but my book says that these signs shall follow them that believe. That means every single person that believes. That doesn't mean a select few. That doesn't mean a certain generation. That means these signs shall follow them simply that believe, not them that have a position, not them that live during this year and this year, but them that believe. So I believe as a believer, that the same promise of Pentecost is the same promise that is granted to me. The promise of healing, the promise of the dead being raised and blind eyes being opened. The same promise is granted to each and every believer today. Do you believe that in this place? Clap your hands to the Lord. We've heard of great revivals and great outpourings of God's Spirit. We tell the stories of churches like the Pentecostals of Alexandria, Louisiana. 
We talk about the Welsh Revival, the Azusa Street Revival. We talk about men like G.T. Haywood and, and Urshan, people that had a great impact in the area of Indianapolis. We talk about these mass outpourings and impacts of God's Spirit. But Isaiah says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. We can get real caught up telling the stories of yesterday's blessing. We can get real satisfied telling the story of how he brought our fathers out of Egypt. But the reality of it is, is Isaiah was speaking to a people that were no longer in Egypt, but now they were facing a new devil named Babylon. And he was reminding them, don't even consider what he did for your fathers. I'm getting ready to do something for you. We can talk about Azusa Street, but can I preach today about Meridian Street? We can talk about Haywood, but can we talk about each person sitting in this pew today? Behold, he is seeking to do a new thing, a new blessing, a new message, a new revival, a new miracle. He is seeking to do a new thing. Now, for sake of clarity, allow me to say there is no new revelation. I'm going to say it again. There is no new revelation, only new demonstration. There's no new revelation. You're not going to open up the book and find something that we've not found yet. It's not going to happen. I know some of us think we're scholars, but it's not going to happen. When I was young, I thought I was going to find something nobody had ever seen, and I quickly realized every message been, has about been preached, every word's about been translated, and every title's been taken. But I, I came to an, to an understanding that it was not about a revelation, but rather about a demonstration. And if you go back through history, every time there was great demonstration, there was great revelation. G.T. Haywood was the revelation of the oneness of God. William Seymour was the revelation of speaking in other tongues as the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost, as well as the oneness of God. Each time there was a great demonstration, it started with, with, with a revelation. But today I believe that the revelation's already been given and his name is Jesus. And so I'm not seeking for new revelation. I'm seeking after a fresh demonstration. We already have the name. We already have the blood. And we've already got the word. Now it's time that we go into the highways and the byways and we demonstrate that which we've been taught. It's time for a fresh demonstration. All the revelation we've need, we need has already been given to us. It's all in Jesus, all about Jesus. It all came through Jesus. It's all Jesus. He is the only revelation. In him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead, the nature, the theatus of God bodily. So we don't need another revelation. Fullness is already in Jesus. We don't need, we, we, we don't need a new, a new, you're not going to come to a new revelation. How about, how about pointed that out today? It's time for a fresh demonstration. Jesus is the only revelation that we need. I encountered some people this week. I won't mention who. I won't mention denominations, faiths, or beliefs. You can put the puzzle together. 
But I came in, count, in, in touch with some people that were seeking to share with me of, of a new revelation that the Lord had given to a man, and and he had given to him it, given him it through a a seer's stone, which is associated with witchcraft, which was kind of the first false alarm or or, or true alarm. But but he, they they begin to tell me about this this new revelation. But the book that they claim that God give them gave them is contradictory to the book that was already given to them. It wasn't my first encounter with that group of people before. I'd, I'd had that conversation before. In fact, I'd sat down one afternoon, and, and we sat down. They told me they had a solid three hours, and after two, they had a mysterious uh, thing come up that they had to leave for. But it was about that time that we'd reached about two hours of going back and forth and looking at the Word of God that I was continually reminding them it's not about what I believe, it's about what this book says. My belief can't change. This book is yesterday, today, and forevermore. This book is, is, is the same. It's unchanging. It is, it is the, the unchanging Word of God. And so it doesn't matter what I say. It's not interpretation. It's translation. And so what does this book say? And we sat down and we compared the, 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 the Bible next to this other unnamed book. And, and we, we probably pulled up about 30 contradictions in the period of about two hours. That's all the time that we really had to get to. And after that amount of time, they'd kind of given up on telling me of a new revelation because we quickly came to the conclusion that it's contradictory to the Word of God. And so they finally ended the session by telling me that they needed to leave, and they said this. They said, I understand what it is you're trying to point out, and I understand what it is that the Bible says. You showed it to me right there in the book. It's contradictory. However, I just encourage you to go to God in prayer, and he will reveal to you what you need to know. And I explained to that person that day that when you are spiritually sensitive, you're not just sensitive to the things of God, but you can also be sensitive to other things. Even the devil disguises himself as an angel of light, which began as their story, interestingly enough. We had a conversation that day, and I pointed out something to them, that the word of God is, is already completed. That the fullness of revelation is already in Jesus. And that the puzzle piece that they were missing wasn't to be fulfilled through another man. The puzzle piece was already fulfilled on the cross through a, a man that was fully God and fully man named Jesus. And it wasn't about another new revelation. The revelation was given. But now it's about a demonstration have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And I told them that day, God's got a demonstration for your life. And you can receive it right here, right now. Well, they had another meeting to get to. We've heard of many incredible encounters that others have had. We have heard the many miracles that have occurred both in Scripture and in the history of the Pentecostal church. 
But I believe that in this last day, that God is seeking for someone to make up in their mind that I want to experience the same demonstration and greater than any anybody has ever experienced that I want to experience the same outpouring that they experienced on the day of Pentecost that I want to experience the blind eyes open and the dead raised we've experienced it maybe you're new around here and you might not have heard the story that it was just a few years ago that at our Frankfurt campus we were having we were in the middle of a conference or, or just prior to a conference when my father preached a message entitled, The Beginning of Miracles. And it was on that Sunday that that woman would respond in the altar, drop dead of a heart attack, lay dead in the floor for about 15 minutes. And then by the time she got to the hospital, she should have had lost a lot of brain functionality, had damage to her body. And the doctor said, I'm not really sure uh, why you brought this woman. She's got a few broken ribs, and the next day she was sitting up in a hospital bed. That's a demonstration. But I'm not satisfied with one demonstration in my life when every time I come into this city, I pass a hospital full of sick people. I'm not satisfied with a demonstration in, in, in another city where they had 5,000 added to the church. When I'm sitting in a city that has 17,000 people that need Jesus and, and over 100,000 people within a 10 mile, 10 mile radius of this assembly, I'm not satisfied with someone else's encounter. I am seeking after an encounter with the Lord. I wonder if someone in this place would make up in their mind that I want to experience a demonstration of the Spirit of God. We're not seeking after new revelation. The revelation is Jesus. And it's time that we demonstrate the revelation that we have been given. You can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You can pray for the blind and see blind eyes open. Deaf ears unstopped. How many of you can honestly say you know somebody that needs a miracle in their life? You can be the conduit for that miracle to come to pass. You don't have to call on your pastor to show up to the hospital. You can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. These signs shall follow them, not that are ordained, not that hold the position, but that believe. If you're a believer in this place, forget not the benefits of the Lord. Forget not the benefit of healing. Forget not the benefit of miracles. That promise is granted to you today. John chapter 14 verse 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also. But it doesn't stop there. It says, And greater works than these shall he do. Because I go unto my Father. This is Jesus speaking and he's saying, that those that would go forth in his name would do even greater works than that which he did. If you'd get a revelation of that today, I know it sounds crazy to, to think that God can perform a greater miracle than, than what he even did here on earth. But it, it, it's the scripture. It's not my belief. It, it's, it's the word of God that greater things shall he do through those that will call on his name. I've come to remind someone that a greater thing he's seeking to do through you. 
a greater miracle he's seeking to do by your hands. A greater thing he's looking to do in your life. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Haggai says that the that the latter shall be greater than the former. That means that what is to come is greater than anything that we've ever experienced. Let it never be said of an elder that the good old days, you ever heard that saying, the good old days? Let it never be said that the good old days of Pentecost are behind us. Too many times I've heard my elders speak of things like, well, they just don't have church like they used to. Well, they just don't sing songs like they used to. Well, camp meeting just isn't how it isn't how it used to be. Well, 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 we don't see the miracles that we used to see. I believe that that is the biggest misconception and fallacy in all of Pentecost because my word says that what God is going to do is greater than anything that he has ever done before. I've come to declare a new thing unto somebody today. God's got a new thing for your life. He's got a new thing for your family. He's got a new thing for your home. It's not a it's not a revelation. It's a demonstration of that revelation. And his name is Jesus. A new thing is coming. A new miracle is coming. A new demonstration is coming. Somebody shout greater. Greater's yet to come. Greater things God is seeking to do. Greater miracles he's seeking to do in your life. Would you stand with me all across this room? Let me answer the question behind this whole message and tell you what is yet to come. Whatsoever things you shall ask. Whatsoever things that you shall seek, the word of God says, he will give it. That means if you've come here seeking after a miracle, he will give it. If you've come here seeking for peace and renewal, he will give it. If you've come here seeking for a renewal in your mind, in your home, and in your family, he will do it. There's too many people unreached and cities unpreached. There's many songs yet to be written, books yet to be penned, sanctuaries left unbuilt, blessing that is yet to be poured out, doors unknocked, regions unlocked. There is so much that God has promised us. The blessing of what God is seeking to do would absolutely blow your mind and we can't get so caught up believing that the Lord is coming back tomorrow that we forsake what he is seeking to do today I just have come to remind somebody and I'm just stopping by to say that greater things he is seeking to do that a greater miracle he is seeking to do in your life. There's somebody in this place that God has called you to a greater level of anointing. 
He has a greater purpose for your life. He has a greater miracle for your body and greater things for your home. In too long, you've been living in the pain of yesterday. Too long, you've been living in the bitterness of the past and the hurt of things that happened yesterday. But we're not talking about yesterday. We're talking about today and tomorrow. We're talking about not what has happened, but what is to come. Can I remind someone in this place that God is seeking to do something that is greater than anything that you've ever experienced. He's seeking to do a thing in the city greater than anything that's ever happened in the city before. He's seeking to bless you in a way that you have never been blessed. Maybe the bondage of a situation or the pain of yesterday has left you in a circumstance where all you can think about is the past. All you can think about when you come to church is the hurt. All you can think about is what happened back then. But I've come to remind someone today that he is seeking to do a new thing today. That there's healing for you today. There's renewal for you today. There's life and hope and joy for you today. If you believe that in this place, this music's going to come. I believe that right here, right now, God is seeking to do a new thing. He's seeking to pour his spirit out on somebody. He's seeking to change somebody's life. Would you join up with somebody? Ask them to come to the altar with you. And would you storm the front of this room?